The views, information, or opinions expressed during the SigmaCast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Sigma Theta Tau International, Honor Society of Nursing, its employees, chapters, or subsidiaries. Hello and welcome to SigmaCast, a series of interviews and discussions with prominent healthcare providers from around the world. My name is Dr. Matt Howard, the Director of Scholarship Resources at Sigma, and today we'll be talking about preprints. Specifically, we'll be talking with Kimberly Thompson about preprints in the nursing and healthcare environment. Ms. Thompson, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, Well, certainly, Matt. Um, I am employed by Sigma to manage our Sigma repository, uh, formerly known as the Virginia Henderson Global Nursing E-Repository. I am a medical librarian. I have my MLS, and I have spent my career as a librarian um, in digital scholarship, open access repositories, dissemination, and copyright management. All right, cool. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. So this is the first in a a series of uh, Sigma casts that we're going to be doing related to the topic of preprints. So being from the nursing world and the healthcare world for for many, many years, what are preprints? This is not something that I've really heard of. You know, how do you define them in your particular area? What what do you what are they? Well, that's a great question, Matt. And actually, with there are many definitions, and even within the library profession, there are uh, different terms and definitions for preprint. So, um, the one I have always used, uh, subscribed to, uh, for uh, Sigma and for the Sigma repository, uh, actually comes uh, from two places. Uh, number one, uh, it's the COPE, the Committee on Publication Ethics, and they actually define theirs as a scholarly manuscript posted by the author in an openly accessible platform, uh, usually before or in parallel with the peer review process. And when I mean that, I'm talking traditional journal publication process. Uh, Also, uh, there's a wonderful website that many uh, librarians, uh, especially those of us that manage repositories, we often refer to, and it's called the Sherpa Romeo database. And the link to that site will be posted in the repository's item record so that our listeners may uh, go in and find that site for themselves. Uh, but we, uh, as librarians that manage repositories, frequently refer to Sherpa Romeo. And they actually break down um, the versions of articles into three types. So they use the term preprint, meaning that initial manuscript is created by an author um, in its final draft form and ready to be submitted to a journal. Okay. Uh, then they also use a term called post that a lot of other uh, professions don't
don't use. Even if you would talk to a publisher, they won't use the term postprint. You would confuse them if you use that. Uh, postprint me uh, means to, again, those of us uh, that use Sherpa Romeo and, and in the repository world, is that version of the article uh, that's not published yet, but it has been peer-reviewed and revised by the author and resubmitted. And now many people you'll find will combine those two terms and call all of that a preprint. Just being before the actual print right. journal of that type. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now we okay. we actually separate those out, and then of course the final version being the as published version, meaning that it's it's been um, peer reviewed, it's been edited, then it's been proofed and formatted, and finally put in that version that you're familiar with when you read a journal, you know, in print or online. Gotcha. Gotcha. So from the preprint standpoint, do you think that preprints themselves help those in the nursing professions maybe the same way that it helps people in other professions? I, yes, I think they can. That is a, a, a hot topic, uh, especially in uh, the library repository world, uh, because one of the first uh, repositories, and it's a preprint repository, and it's one of the largest and oldest, is called Archive. And they, uh, their audience, their uh, target audience are um, physicists, um, mathematicians, those in the IT world. And they that started way back in 1991. So it's been around a long time in that profession. And they see, they were early adopters, early creators of this whole preprint and share it early. Um, and it helped their profession tremendously. And actually, all of the journals now, the traditional journals that deal with that, those areas, those professions, um, they accept that the preprints will be out there. So the journals, they have actually forced the, you know, the large traditional journals published by Wiley and Sage and um, Elsevier, uh, they've actually forced those journals um, to alter the way they accept publications. So they know that those preprints will be openly available uh, in that archive repository. Uh, so I think, you know, the nursing profession has been a little more hesitant. And I can understand because, you know, the hard sciences are far different than when you're dealing with someone's health or someone's life. Uh, you want to make sure that you get that right before you publish it and put it out there. And I understand that. But I do think, um, I think it helps the nursing profession um, as well. You know, I think it helps all professions, but I think it helps uh, it threefold, really. Uh, it helps that you get the work out there in a highly visible manner. It also helps because when you get it out there in that visible manner, um, people are more apt to want to get into discussions with the author. Uh, so that in itself becomes a true peer review situation. Um, instead of just those three, two or three blind peer reviewers at a journal that you don't know who they are, this becomes truly your peers looking at your work. And we know that when, uh, you know, like, for instance, when you're on Twitter, uh, people have a lot to say when they're on Twitter, good, bad, and indifferent. So it sets up that sort of situation so that you, the author or authors are, you know, uh, able to receive all those good, bad, and indifferent comments and take them to 
heart and perhaps uh, revise the work or maybe um, collaborate. And that wouldn't have happened in the traditional publication world. So again, I can see that helping nurses, that you know, collaborative spirit and uh, collaboration beyond you know, in other um, allied health uh, uh, professions you know, so that we're actually helping and driving um, uh, progress uh, in how we help patients. So what other types of professions use this kind of a model, use preprints as, as a norm for their process of publication and dissemination? I have seen in my past um, uh, position at a, at a university and, and managing their repository, so uh, I was managing all the different departments. I have seen all departments, um, you know, the, the social sciences, um, psychology, uh, using it. Um, historians uh, use it uh, widely. So I have seen many, many of the different professions using this. And then once they they're once they become familiar with it and they know about it, it it's always worked out in a very positive way. I've had nothing but positive feedback uh, from authors that I have uh, actually you know brought on to be participants in in a repository. So when you're thinking about it from the healthcare standpoint, obviously, like you stated, uh, we definitely don't necessarily want to just put any information out there that really hasn't been through that scientific rigor and hasn't been tested, etc. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we're, if we're saying uh, whatever thing uh, that we're testing that we're working on uh, actually works and cures cancer or cures heart disease or whatever else, and that could be taken by general public uh, to mean this is what is what is true. And obviously, that's not the case. That's not the points of these kind of things. So that being the case and understanding where that can happen in the health professions side of things, whether it's medicine, whether it's nursing, whether it's respiratory, physical therapy, whatever, do you see preprints having a place in that area? Yes, I, I do. And let, let's address those concerns because some of them are quite valid. Um, so, you know, the concerns that I've heard uh, and then also, you know, that I've read about in, in the scholarly literature coming out of the library and information science world, uh, there, there are concerns. Uh, so number one concern uh, is that uh, posting something online uh, in that open format, you are um, allowing others to perhaps scoop you in, in a, if you know, if you're doing something hot, you know, highly in, um, uh, new, exciting, uh, coming out maybe with a new process for helping or outcomes, uh, you know, for helping patients better deal, you know, better recover from heart surgery or what have you. And um, so I understand that if you don't want to be scooped, you want to be first, you know, if you've really worked on this, if you're in a hospital healthcare setting, uh, you don't want to be scooped. But what we find out is that's not happening. You know, um, we've kept an eye on this for years, and especially an archive and, you know, the, the scientific uh, open access repository. And it's not happening. Uh, people are respecting someone else's work. And it's actually helping when you maybe have two, three, four people uh, around the world focusing on the same thing. It is helping the author, the researcher, the clinician that got there first and posted it in the open access repository or database, as you will. Uh, it's helped 
them stake claim that they were the first. So uh, that worry about, ooh, you know, I may be scooped doesn't happen uh, because once you're in a repository, we have DOIs or handles and those are permanent URL and they're time stamped. So nobody can get in there and tamper. They say they were first. Yes, they can't tamper with that. So uh, the person that got there first and actually was, you know, posted a preprint in open access or maybe posted the entire, you know, uh, complete um, manuscript in a repository first uh, or an OA journal first, they have that ability then to go back and prove that they were the first. So that's a nice thing. So it really, and also, again, as I said, I, you know, the repository librarians, e-librarians, repositorians, as we sometimes call ourselves. Um, again, we collect the data and the concerns of our authors, and we've never heard back. I've never seen anything in a, in a librarian or information science journal yet that says that being out there, open access is it. People are being, you know, uh, their copyrights being infringed, or somebody stole their work or scooped them on a very important um, uh, point. It's just not happening. I mean, it's a valid concern, but the data is proving it's just not happening. Okay. So then, the second concern, and especially in the medical world, uh, the second concern is really, you know especially the, the love of patients and those of us just self-diagnosing and we, we Google or we go on WebMD uh, and we're trying to self-diagnose. Um, that's the concern mainly a lot in the medical profession and the nursing profession is that if I put that preprint out there, am I putting my community and my patients at risk unintentionally? And again, we're just not seeing that that's having a big effect on patient care uh, with the you know internet being so prevalent you know are we going to stop people from googling and maybe get getting a hold of bad information that no, we're not uh, so what we're wanting to do as librarians as nurses is get them to that good information and then also educating the public and being very transparent which is something that Sigma repository does is actually labeling that material so when people find it they can actually read in that data of that article of that item record oh this is a preprint hmm, what is the preprint you know it's not being perfect oh okay uh, so we're you know as long as we're transparent uh, and that is something that the archive repository is sort of being hit on now uh, they're not being transparent where the, they're getting those preprints or if the preprint has actually been published and traditionally peer-reviewed um, people don't know that so that's something that Sigma's repository gives to our online users is that they know. So I think that it's up to us as medical librarians and as nurses um, to educate not only ourselves, but our our patients, our healthcare community, being that it may be a global online healthcare community, it's up to us. And I think that transparency uh, is going to help that. And then the third concern that I hear a lot from my authors is again, if I, you know, preprints are not widely accepted. They are in, as I said, in archive, in the physics world, in the hard science, in the chemistry world, and in IT, but they're not widely accepted yet in nursing. 
Um, so then I have a lot of people that say, Kimberly, you know, I need to publish in a traditional journal. I'm, I'm a tenure track faculty or my hospital, you know, we're a magnet or we're going after magnet des designation. So I need to, as a, as a nurse on staff there, I need to publish in a traditional journal with a high impact factor. It's expected. Uh, and again, I understand that. But again, we need to educate people that a lot of the journals these days, and then that comes back to this Sherpa Romeo database that I mentioned a while ago, and that's open to anyone. Uh, so you can, if you have a target journal in mind, you just need to go to that database, type that journal's name in, and you're going to see their um, policies on self-archiving a preprint or a postprint, as I mentioned, uh, or even an as-public. So they allow those or they discourage those? Correct. Okay. Correct. So you're going to be able to see that and educate yourself. Uh, now, that's not to say there is a caveat with that as well, that journals can change their minds about uh, what they will allow their authors to self-archive, uh, and they don't grandfather in. So, but again, that's something uh, we're all about transparency here at the Sigma Repository. And when authors come to me, I, I let them know, you know, I fully educate them. Uh, and there are times when I will tell them, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't disseminate that in the repository. Uh, so again, they're going to get good advice from Sigma and honest advice. So I think if we keep pushing away, pushing at that and tipping away, uh, that preprints really can take hold in the nursing nursing profession. It will take a while. Um, and also keep in mind a lot of a lot of our uh, repository participants, our authors, researchers, clinicians, they're very concerned because they think posting a submitting a poster uh, on their work is actually included as a preprint. And so, you know, when they present at our, any of our Sigma events and we allow all of our presenters to, you know, easily check a box and have that moved from our event system into our repository so they can experience dynamic dissemination. And uh, there's concerns about that. You know, I'm, I'm approached, you've been approached, you know, at our events with people being concerned. So again, that's an education opportunity to say that most journals, journals today and most large publishing houses don't consider a poster to be a preprint. So there's they they acknowledge now that this process has to go on. Uh, there are many steps to the publication process. So they acknowledge that. So most 99.9% uh, .9 of journals allow um, people to post a poster and they don't consider that a preprint. They allow them to uh, post PowerPoint presentations. And I can tell you, I've been doing this over a decade and I have only embargoed an embargo, meaning that I lock the file down for a prescribed period of time as, as directed by the journal, a journal. Um, so I locked that down. I've only done that once in my entire career. And that was because this particular presenter um, she was a DNP, uh, pursuing her DNP. She was a DNP candidate. And so her PowerPoint was actually, she took a lot of her DNP capstone and put it in her PowerPoint slides. And as a librarian, I loved this slide deck because it was so informative. She put every, you know, it wasn't just vague, mm -hmm. um, vague um, 
bullet points. Bullet points, thank you. It's not just saying bullet points. She put in graphs. She put in whole paragraphs. It was beautiful. And I said, you know, I think you disclosed the heart of your research. And that's what journals are really looking for. Have you disclosed the heart? Are you scooping them on the ability to make income off of that article? Gotcha. Um, so that's where it comes in. And I've only had that once. And I did. I contacted her and I contacted her. Um, I was actually in touch with her advisor, uh, her DNP capstone advisor. And I, I said, hey, I think we ought to embargo and lock this down until she pursues, you know, a manuscript and uh, worked out very, very well. But that's only been one case. And then also, not only is it just posters and PowerPoints, uh, repositories, uh, we love when people submit theses and dissertations and those actual capstone complete manuscripts, you know, that run 30, 40, 50 pages of material. Uh, and people get concerned about that because most people, you know, most of those uh, doctoral or, or graduate uh, candidates are like, hey, I've spent years of my life working on this and I want it. I want to publish two, three articles from this dissertation. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry, Kimberly, I can't post my dissertation in your repository. Well, again, I go out and I keep track of what the large publishing houses companies are doing and Elsevier and Sage and many of them have posted in writing and I share that with authors. I share it every time I present. I do a screenshot especially of Elsevier's that they don't consider posting a thesis or a dissertation as detailed as those are to be prior publication. They don't even consider it to be a preprint. So authors are free to disseminate those. So again, I think it's, um, you know, and a lot of people, I get a lot of, oh my gosh, really? And uh, yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't steer you wrong um, that you can disseminate those. Those aren't preprints. So I think it's, it's up to Sigma, you know, and other nursing organizations, but primarily, you know, Sigma being the international leader that we are amongst nurses uh, to help educate and to get that word out of, you know, what is a preprint? What is it not? When do you need to be Concerned. When do you not need to be concerned? And I think we're doing that. Uh, I think right. we're doing that well. We just need to to get this out as we're doing today in this podcast um, of, of what is a you know what is a preprint. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time today. Uh, and uh, to our listeners, as always, if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.sigmanursing.org. And thank you for listening. Okay, hello, and welcome back to Sigma series and interviews with discussions uh, with prominent healthcare providers from around the world. Uh, again, my name is Matt Howard. I'm the Director of Scholarship Resources here at Sigma. I'm joined again today with uh, Kimberly Thompson. Um, Kimberly, we were just talking a little bit uh, ago about preprints. So we, we've talked about what preprints are and the good and the bad, that component of them, but I have probably a big question that people have been asking about, especially on some Twitter feeds and that type of stuff. Do you feel or are preprints the answer to the rising journal and database subscription costs? Is this a 
something that could help with that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. It is really a, a hot topic, and people have um, uh, various opinions and strong opinions yeah. about this. Uh, I think, again, as, as a medical librarian and somebody that has always been, uh, my entire career, has been involved in that uh, scholarly repositories, open access repositories, and also as a, a librarian that has worked on a campus and has had that um, the dilemma of libraries don't have big, um, uh, we don't have a, a large pool of money uh, waiting, so we have to be very careful with how we spend our budget, how we budget, uh, and the rising journal costs uh, figure into that because we have had to, in the past, you know, go to our faculty members and say, hey, we can no longer afford to purchase this journal that you use and your students use frequently. And that causes a lot of, understandably, angst. So yes, I do see uh, that sharing preprints is a valid way. Um, I, again, as we spoke about uh, in our previous discussion, uh, that posting preprints uh, in a repository is is true peer review. I mean, because you're opening it up to all of your peers around the world for their comments. Also, uh, Sigma and Sigma's repository, um, we are venturing into, we have a peer review portal and a peer review component. We've always had that and we are extremely unique in repositories because I really do see if we add that editorial feature and the um, traditional peer review component and ours is open, meaning that our peer reviewers are known to our authors and vice versa, uh, because I think that sets them up for being, um, uh, you're giving them constructive criticism rather than a lot of what I hear about a lot of traditional journals now, also not only the rising costs, but hey, they're, you know, it's so private, it's so cloaked in, in this mystery. Um, we think something's going on and actually there's been some articles out there proving that, um, yeah, maybe that's not the best way. Uh, so I think um, that preprints can be the answer, but I think we need to be mindful that there needs to be some sort of standardized peer review even in the open access free uh, you know green road of, of uh, publication as we uh, we call it um, world of publication so yes I think preprints are a step in the right direction um, peer review and those journals have been around a long time and it's not you know we we often you know librarians and uh, the publishers and journals are seen as being an antagonistic toward one another and it's it's just that we as librarians you know we come face to face with the faculty with the student nurse with the clinician that no longer has access to those expensive uh, journal subscriptions and databases so we we really deal face to face with this and we see the dilemma and I understand that journals, you know, there's a cost to operating a journal. So there is a reason why those subscriptions are there. And I understand that. I think they've just gotten out of hand. I think they've gotten a little too high. And I think we can all come to an agreement uh, and bring those prices down. But I, I see preprints as being that first step. So I, I think it's, it's valid. So I obviously it sounds like you're in favor of preprints. And 
and doing that component and getting that information out there to people. Um, given that stance and that thought process, what would you say are some of the disadvantages of prepens? Not necessarily just in healthcare, but yes. overall, but also in. Well, I see, setting. you know, and we touched upon this in our earlier uh, discussion. I see the disadvantages if if you're not transparent, if the repository or that database that is posting the preprints, um, a lot of those databases are not transparent in what is this? What am I seeing? You don't want to confuse your patrons, your end user, that they are seeing a, uh, a true journal, traditional journal peer-reviewed article. So transparency, you need to, to have the, the metadata, the information fields, as it were, in each item record so that when someone finds it and opens it, they see, ah, preprint. Oh, has this been peer-reviewed? Oh, no, it's not. You know, it's it's been peer-evaluated or it's, you know, this is based on someone's reputation. Oh, let me go see the organization that posted this. Oh, I do trust their, their reputation. I trust that they know what they're doing. So the disadvantages of preprints come in. Uh, first of all, people are not, uh, we're not doing a good job of educating people of what, what preprints are and that we're not doing a good job of being transparent of what they're seeing. And that brings up another question question for me as a staff nurse, especially, um, <clears throat> this is not an area that I had any idea was even a thing, period, that was out there. All I saw was the traditional journals and that kind of stuff. And that's probably what I saw initially in school, not even in bedside nursing by any stretch. So when you're talking about some of these databases that use prepens and put information in preprints, you talked about the Sherpa and Romeo database. What are those and, and how do people access? Is that something that I have access to right now sitting here or is that something you have to be at a university to have access to? How, how does that happen? No, the Sherpa Romeo, Romeo um, database came about uh, uh, because um, they're based in in Europe, where preprints are 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 more prevalent and more uh, better understood and more an accepted part of the publication process. Uh, so this uh, group uh, actually. Uh, came about and it's very it's an open you don't need to sign in you don't need to subscribe you don't need to be a librarian you don't need to be a professional anyone can go in and what they're doing is they're gathering uh, information self-archiving policies uh, of preprints postprints and as published articles um, and see our previous uh, webcast uh, regarding the definitions of those but uh, they are painstakingly going after most journals around the world in all fields and posting their policies on that so that an author can go in and a you know, student, uh, a novice uh, professional and an expert, topic expert can go into this database, type in the name of their target journal and then go right to the policies. What they do is they comb through the websites. Sometimes it's buried. And so the Sherpa Romeo uh, posts it in no-nonsense language uh, taken directly from the journal so that the authors don't have to go digging through author policies on each journal website. Uh, and you will see whether that journal allows uh, them to post a preprint. You will see if they have to embargo it, meaning that file has to 
be locked down in the repository for a certain period of time. You will even see what type of repository uh, they will allow you to submit your preprint to. Uh, so sometimes they're like, well, it's okay if you um, submit it to your uh, you know, academic repository, so the repository at your university where you're either a student or you're working. Uh, a lot of those now have opened up uh, and they use that term um, um, scholarly repository, meaning also a professional repository as we are, because we're not locked down to any one campus. We're open to all nurses at Sigma repository. Uh, so that's actually included in that, uh, in those uh, definitions. So it, it makes it a very easy and nice way um, uh, to find that. And the, those people at, at Sherpa Romeo are, are very dedicated. Also, they've started out, uh, uh, now they've got a Sherpa Juliet website that is a companion because a lot of, and especially in the medical world, so this is very important to our nurses, a lot of your work is funded by a, a grantor, you know, by a foundation or what have you. Um, and grantors typically have also um, policies on where you can post that work. Uh, so you can search both databases and know their policies on preprints or where you can post that work. And we will be putting that information into the Sigma repository item record here for you to be able to check those out here in a little bit as well. Well, as we come to the close of this particular um, discussion, is there anything else that you think that nurses really need to know and understand about preprints and how, how could we go about using those kind of things in the future? Well, I, I just think, you know, um, they need to educate themselves, uh, uh, really learn about what a preprint is, uh, learn about those advantages, uh, learn that, you know, many people think, oh, I can't put a preprint out there, I'll be, I'll be scooped or I'll be, you know, somebody will plagiarize my work. And again, uh, that's just, we're finding out in the library and the repository management field uh, with all of our research that that's just not happening. Uh, so your concerns are valid, but it's it, facts are saying, you know, the data is saying that that's just not happening, uh, that uh, getting that out there in repositories actually helps. Again, uh, the repository that you choose uh, needs to have firm policies and best practices in place, as a Sigma repository does, you know, and they need to be transparent so that our patrons, our online patrons, know what they're seeing. Uh, so I just say, you know, don't be afraid. Uh, also, there are many benefits to submitting your material, especially to, you know, for nurses submitting to the Sigma repository. Uh, we offer uh, so many um, benefits when you submit, um, you know, usage statistics. Uh, we also subscribe to a company called Altmetric that tracks all online mentions. You don't get that usually with, you know, journals that are tied behind, um, a, a subscription or a paywall. I mean, you may get it, but that those that data is going to be much lower. So you're able to actually quantify the impact of your work and actually take these results, print them out from the repository, and then use them uh, to bolster, you know, a grant application or to put it in your tenure dossier or your uh, professional development. Uh, you know, if you're you're you know a, a staff nurse and you're like, hey, I want to go and and learn more about this and but I've, I had a poster, I submitted it to a repository, 
And now I can prove, you know, people are using that, you know, in the Philippines um, on a regular basis. They're using, my work's been used around the world. My work's been mentioned uh, online in news outlets. Well, previously you had no way to know that. Uh, and now, you know, all of our, our uh, benefits uh, that we freely provide to our uh, submitting authors are available. So you know that people are using your work and utilizing your work and talking about your work around the world. Uh, so I see many advantages in, in doing this. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. And again, to our listeners, as always, if you have any questions about this or any of our other topics, please visit our website at www.sigmanursing.org. And thank you for listening. Welcome to Sigma's series of interviews and discussions with prominent healthcare providers from around the world. My name is Matt Howard, and I'm the Director of Scholarship Resources at Sigma. I'm joined today by Dr. Susan Gennaro, the editor of Sigma's Journal of Nursing Scholarship, Dr. Byrne Melnick, the editor of Sigma's Worldview on Evidence-Based Nursing, Jamie Welgus from Wiley's are from Wiley, she's the journal publication manager, and Dustin Sullivan, Sigma's publication manager. Thank you everybody for uh, taking some time to, to meet with me today. Thank you very much. Today what we're gonna talk about is preprints again. Preprints. So first off, uh, Dr. Malik, let's start with you. Let me ask you a question real quick. Do you think that preprints help those in the nursing profession the same way that preprints assists those in other professions, things like physics, mathematics, et cetera, that type of stuff? I have real concern about preprints in our nursing profession for this reason. They do not undergo any type of peer review. There are many manuscripts that are submitted that sometimes have fatal flaws. There may be errors in methods of studies that are being done. There may be errors in statistical analyses. My concern would be clinicians who are out there searching whatever database that they might search run across maybe some preprints that have fatal flaws take that as the Bible evidence and begin to make practice changed based on evidence that isn't accurate. So give me, what do you mean by fatal flaws in some of these things? What, is, what does that mean to you? Fatal flaws might be errors in methodology that um, get communicated to people. For instance, we were doing a seminar today, Dr. Gennaro and myself, it was a writing workshop, and we reviewed about 14 papers that were submitted. Several of those papers had methodological errors. And some of the analyses that were done in the paper weren't correct analyses. So that the conclusions you come to when you make these types of errors aren't really credible. 
So that's a big concern of mine for clinicians out there searching for evidence. Well, and I'd just like to add that, you know, there's always the concern in nursing that you could really do some harm, and we never want to do that. But even more than that, time is so precious. So that to spend time doing an intervention that really doesn't help, even if it doesn't hurt, hurts because sitting there and doing something with you for 10 minutes that really isn't going to make a difference to your health isn't something that we have time for. So there's all kinds of ways that we can hurt the discipline, hurt the patient, and that's something we don't want to have. One way, I think, to avoid that is to make sure that there are eyes on the work. Now, I understand in other disciplines the point of having a preprint is that people get to have scholarly dialogue and say, oh, but you didn't think about this, or what about that? I don't, and I know disciplines in which that really works, but that's not what we've learned how to do in nursing, and so I worry about people accepting things that are really not um, things you want to run with. Well, stuff, yeah. Yeah. One of the... Uh, um uh, arguments in favor of preprint uh, uh, servers that I've heard is that the implementation can be sped along because articles, when they're going through the editing and, and publishing process, do tend to take several months, sometimes longer. Um, and implementation, uh, as Susan, you're obviously well aware of from the special issue you have coming out in, in your journal, implementation can, can be very slow. And so there are, there are some people who argue that the faster we can get the information out there, uh, the faster that these solutions can, can be implemented. Um, and I would say that the answers that both of you have given so far completely negate that because I think your concerns far outweigh the let's get this out there faster. I think if you're implementing um, um, solutions that are not real solutions, then as Susan just said, you're wasting your time. Uh, but there are those other arguments out there that we need to speed this along because it can take years for even sound good research to be implemented. But I don't think that these uh, preprint servers are the way to go for that. Um, the great thing with publication now that everybody has some form of publication, we call it early view, but publication before it actually goes into an issue is that it is available. You're not waiting for a year or two years the way you were in the past. So you submit something within three months or four months, it's out there. I can't think of anything that we're doing research in that three months makes a difference between life and death in nursing. I just can't. So that's part of why I sit there and think, what are we rushing to? Yeah, and I think, I mean, from a publisher perspective, we like preprint servers because, as Dustin said, it helps to accelerate science. Um, but in the field of nursing, you want to accelerate, you know, peer-reviewed, tested science um, because of the patient connection there. So for some disciplines like nursing, it just doesn't make as much sense as others. Well, it does beg the question from what Dustin was talking about here is the is could preprints or some version of that be that that answer for those rising journal and, and database subscription calls because it, it truly is it is a question it is an issue that 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 is out there it's definitely taking the uh, Twitter world by storm I know Dr. Melnick has been involved in some of those conversations those Twitter conversations in the past as well so what what is your what should you take us on that so I would say no um, <laughs> uh, because it's it's you know fundamental 
fundamentally difference between peer-reviewed science and, and non-peer-reviewed science. Um, so it's, it wouldn't be replacing uh, the peer-reviewed science that we're putting out in a subscription model. Okay. I would say if, if somebody's really concerned about cost over anything else, then there are many open access journals that are available that are fully peer reviewed. Yes. And that would be the way yes. to go over I a preprint server and then our own journals are what they call a hybrid journal where we have some uh, articles behind a subscription, but the authors uh, or their funders can choose to publish them as open source, um, open access journals. Uh, and, and that's a much better way to go because the full peer review process is still in place for Absolutely. any of these types of journals. Yep. For our journals, how many articles are we talking about per either issue or per year? I mean, is it going to be we get two or three that go out and go out in this kind of a context, or we have more of that? I would say it's just a handful at this point, and part of that is. Um, publicizing the fact that, that we are uh, able to do this. Um, if you aren't prepared for this going in, you your funding may not be available to uh, to, to pay the article processing charges, uh, and that's something you can't really go back to your uh, your funders, for instance, and ask them for, for extra money. Um, and there's also some discussion uh, in the open uh, access community about the validity of hybrid journals. Uh, many of them are uh, want open access or nothing. And um, uh, I, I personally, not because I'm uh, all biased at publishing hybrid journals, but I, I like the hybrid model myself. And I'm, I'm not as, as big a fan of the, the, the open access or all. I think there are uh, pros and cons of, of both. But um, so some people are resistant to even submit their articles to a hybrid journal because it's uh, open or nothing. And fully open access journals are more um are more popular in different disciplines, right? Sure. So, so open access um, isn't as large in nursing, but it is in other disciplines, and so those fully open access journals, you know, fill fill a need there. Okay. So it looks like we've already kind of talked about what are advantages, obviously, and disadvantages of preprints, in that in the way that they are currently and commonly utilized. Um, but a, what I'm kind of getting a sense of is in in healthcare itself, not just nursing necessarily, but in healthcare itself, preprints may not necessarily be the way to go for us. Is that what I'm getting? I would say yes. Yeah, we see it more in physics and mathematics as we were speaking of earlier and less in the health sciences. All right. And not to confuse the issue, but one of the things that people always mention when you start talking about open access is having legitimate open access journals and having predatory journals that really don't have any kind of review, don't have any kind of standards, are really only based on a business model in which you pay me mm -hmm. to print something and it may or may not ever be available for anybody else to read. So I'm not trying to confuse the water mm -hmm. by um, bringing up predatory journals, but I do think in nursing we still see a lot of... Um, naivete about what journals, what open access journals are really solid and are going to help your um, work be disseminated and what are really predatory. People like getting emails that say, why don't you publish in my journal? And, you know, there are a lot of dangers. So I think it's really important that people look at the source of where they're putting their work. All right. Well, like I said uh, before, thank you again for your time today. It's been, I think it's been a good discussion. Um, and to our listeners, as always, if you have any questions, please feel free to visit us at www.sigmanursing.org. And thank you for listening.
and welcome to SigmaCast. I am Dr. Matt Howard, the Director of Scholarship Resources at Sigma, and today we'll be talking to Dr. Sabri Poor to continue our discussion about preprints. Dr. Sabri Poor works at the Institute for Computational Medicine in the Department of Biomedical Engineering at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Sabri Poor, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, good morning. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me today. My name is Sarvana Sarabifur, and I'm a postdoctoral fellow at Johns Hopkins. Uh, I build computational models of proteins and their signaling networks in cells and tissue. Uh, we are hoping to find interventions for uh, diseases that would benefit from new blood vessels or angiogenesis. Great, thank you very much. So you are the lead author on an article titled On the Value of Preprints, an Early Career Researcher Perspective. Uh, since the topic of preprints is not readily familiar in the healthcare industry, could you define uh, the term for our audience and, and what this really means to you? Uh, yes, absolutely. So I recently became involved with a journal called eLife and their early career researcher advocates. And through this work, I myself became very familiar with uh, the issues that early career researchers have in the publishing domain and became interested in preprints and started advocating for them. So preprints are essentially a complete scientific manuscripts that uh, are uploaded by the authors in the public server. And this manuscript contains complete data and methodologies and is often the same as the manuscript that is to be submitted to a journal. So um, submitting preprints has a great value for the community, especially for early career researchers who would otherwise have to wait months to years for a journal, for, a, for an article to pass through peer review. So it accelerates their work. And also if they are putting the preprint out, it, it helps uh, bring um, acknowledgement and, and visibility to their work. Gotcha. So it, it helps to bring that acknowledgement and that information to their work, but are, are there any other advantages essentially to preprint specifically in your area of study? What, what are some of those advantages for that? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why we wrote the article for PLOS Biology, which uh, there we list over 10 or so advantages, key advantages that, um, you know, researchers can uh, benefit from while preprinting. So uh, I mentioned that it, it brings visibility to their work uh, as they are not, you know, uh, as well recognized as their seniors, but it also accelerates communication. So an early career researcher may need a reagent or a collaboration, and they and another collaborator may quickly read their preprint and contact them, and so accelerate their their training time. In fact, um, other benefits are that. Um, Researchers with limited funds in other countries 
can publish open access because open access publishing in journals is expensive. So uh, it, it brings visibility to uh, them again. And also in my research area in systems biology, preprints are very valuable because to build our computation models, we often need many parameters that are drawn from other people's work. And it's critical to have those that knowledge and those parameters uh, in advance, eight months, nine months, a year in advance uh, before before a, a work goes through, you know, journal publication. So they're extremely valuable for, for us. Correct. And I, and I noticed one of the other advantages that you put into the article is uh, that preprints can help to accelerate that peer review process because it, it uh, definitely when you're, uh, when you are, putting an article out there and putting it into the peer review process, it definitely can take some time with um, uh, renditions and different editing, the kind of stuff that you have to do. So how does preprints, putting up there for preprints, actually decrease that time frame? So uh, that's a very interesting um, area that you just pointed out because uh, usually during journal peer review, editors would contact two or three uh, experts to comment on the article. And of course, this would take uh, four to sometimes six, eight weeks, and it's it's limited to those individuals. But when uh, you put a preprint out there, a lot of times author receives feedback from multiple 10, 20 or more uh, researchers in diverse fields or the same field. So they're contacted via email, uh, social media, or uh, readers can actually directly comment on BioArchive. And it's, it has been extremely valuable, the feedback. Uh, one example is my own preprint, which we put out on October uh, 7th, I believe, last, uh, last Tuesday. And it has already been read. Uh, so this is a preprint on, it's a survey-based survey study of the faculty job market academic uh, job market and uh, it was a wonderful collaboration and it has already been read 10,000 times and tweeted a thousand times. We have already received tens of comments, uh, uh, interesting feedback and questions on uh, additional statistical analysis and so on. So uh, we are working on those before journal submission. It has been wonderful. So do you feel that putting it out on a preprint server, on a preprint basis and getting that information before it goes through that true peer review process, that you actually get better feedback than if you had gone through the peer review process and put it out there and it gets in a journal, do you you tend not to get that information back from a journal when you put it out there or do you tend to get more from the preprints? We tend to get more from preprint because a lot of researchers consider the journal published version the end and all and usually don't attempt to contact the authors and everything is forgotten and, and people move on. Uh, but, but this time before journal submission is very valuable, especially for early career researchers because they are usually not invited to review unfortunately. As we mentioned in the article, and we have some numbers there as well, uh, about uh, 60 to 90 percent of all peer review in the world is done by 20 percent of researchers who are senior researchers. So seeing someone as a preprint, uh, seeing something as a preprint, you can 
take you to your journal club and seminar series and review it together with your fellow graduate students and postdoctoral fellows and early career PIs and, and compile a review and, and send it uh, to the authors confidentially or post it on BioArchive as a comment. There's also a great platform, now that you mentioned peer review, that has uh, been in works and it's online now, it's called Pre-Review. And this platform takes preprints from BioArchive and allows uh, researchers to review and, and submit there. So uh, if, if our listeners um, go to Google and type pre-review platform, they will, uh, they will find this very valuable online tool uh, that they can use to publicly review. Very nice. So it, it's great to hear the, the good points and the advantages of viewing preprints, that type of stuff. What would you see as any downfalls? Are there any disadvantages of putting in preprints? Um, I don't think I'm biased in saying that there are no disadvantages in preprinting. Uh, and as you, uh, you and our readers may have seen in, in, the, in the article, uh, we call it perceived concerns by, by researchers, especially early career researchers. And we mention um, the key concerns which we have heard being exposed to. Uh, the first one is that preprinting leads to scooping. And this is usually a concern by um, more senior researchers, uh, but maybe sometimes early career researchers as well. And uh, well, just the fact that the preprint is out there with the uh, DOI really shows you that uh, if you preprint, you prove priority to your work. So it's, it's certainly not true that um, you could be scooped. And uh, the date of announcement is the date of priority. And so if you preprint before someone else, you show that you have, you have done the work. Um, and of course, the work has to be substantial and it needs to have merit. Um, now, the journal publication is, is a separate issue in a sense because preprinting decouples dissemination from peer review. So someone peer reviews, someone preprints, okay, you know, people can read and so on. But if you want to be sure, you can wait for, uh, you know, more reviews to be submitted under the preprint or come from the journal. It's your decision to, you know, um, it's your decision as to how you evaluate or, or, or value the work. Um, now, scooping, of course, is not... Um, the thinking of scooping and this discussion of scooping is not great for scientific enterprise, really, because if you see two articles or two preprints that come within close proximity of each other, you as an active researcher would know that these are projects years in making, years in making. So there is really no who is first, who is second. Science is a collaborative effort. And these projects, most likely, it takes time to conceive and do the work and decide to put it out there. So these projects and these groups both deserve uh, credit if, if there is a credit or glory to be given to them. And talking of scooping doesn't really advance science. It's, it doesn't uh, promote the spirit of collaboration and, and how researchers and the future researchers should think. 
Gotcha. So what you're, what I'm hearing you say essentially is that preprints um, actually give you the ability to put a time date stamp on when you put that information out there. Yes. So someone else couldn't be able to say essentially that they had this information first and then scooped yeah. you essentially yeah. on the date and the information you put out there. Yeah. And actually some really great uh, examples are uh, seen on social media where a researcher, a group, an early career researcher has put a preprint out there and is contacted by someone else they did not know somewhere else in the world who had similar work. And they started collaborating and they produced a joint publication that was then sent to a journal for peer review. And that's just a really wonderful example of how science needs to be done. A second thing really key thing I wanted to mention was that another paper that produces or reproduces or does something similar to the results that I have obtained just shows the greatness of my work is not really a competition to my work. It shows the reproducibility of my result. And that should be celebrated. It shouldn't be looked down upon. And actually, PLOS journals, uh, they recently had an editorial called The Importance of Being Second. And that, that really highlights this fact that scientists should care about reproducibility and should celebrate each other's work. Instead of instead of competing with each other, definitely. I think one of the other um, I, one of the other things that I found interesting in the the perceived concerns <laughs> section of the paper, uh, and you had t- spoke to this just a little bit ago, is that perceived um, thought process of preprints have low visibility, but that's not been your your case. You haven't been able, you haven't found that to be the case. Is that correct? Not at all. In fact, I was. Um, I was browsing the journal Nature the other day. I was reading an article there and an ad popped up that the um, journal, a Nature journal called Scientific Reports is being published there because it's viewed uh, one and a half million times a month. And if you go to BioArchive, BioArchive is viewed six million times a month. And there are already... They're at record submissions every month. There, there were about 2,000 manuscripts that were submitted to BioArchive um, a few months ago. Now they are at uh, 3,500 a month, and it's it's a, it's a, it's an accelerating upwards rate. So um, you will gain a lot more visibility if you nice. preprint your work. So one of the things that um we have heard at least uh, in our previous conversations with people um, of their perceived concerns. I use your terminology. I like that better than disadvantages. Uh, your perceived concerns was that in nursing specifically and in healthcare professions, uh, preprints aren't used the same way because the concern is we don't want to put information out there uh, in the, in the world view of, treating, you know, certain type of diseases or certain type of uh, ailments or issues a certain way until it's been through the scientific rigor to be able to say, yes, this is um, uh, an appropriate way to treat something or appropriate way to deal with an illness or an issue. What do you see as, um, uh, how, how would you answer those kind of perceived concerns from people? Uh, yes, so that was a question that we asked ourselves uh, a few months before we put the PLOS biology paper out, and we sent a preprint about this to PRJ preprints, and the article is titled Maintaining Confidence 
in reporting of scientific work. And so uh, peer review brings rigor to an extent, but it doesn't completely validate a work uh, for, for people to you know, use in fact. And an example of this is the autism paper that was peer reviewed um, a few decades ago and said that uh, vaccination uh, is related to autism and uh, people took that. Unfortunately, it was a peer reviewed paper in a, a prestigious, so-called prestigious journal and um, people took that as, as a valuable piece of work and ran to not vaccinate um, their children. And later, um, other studies proved that that was not the case and the paper was retracted. It was, became a false paper and so on. So peer review, and this is just one example. There are many other examples of this. So peer review does not validate, does not necessarily validate. We hope it would, yeah. <laughs> but it's done by two or three people and under some circumstances. So a better review is a review that is done by a larger number of people. And great work really has to stand the test of time. So this is months, years, when people read their work, think about it, do additional experiments, do similar experiments. That's when a work is validated. Um, on the topic of um, uh, nursing researchers putting their work out there, um, care is delivered by healthcare professionals, not by not by researchers, not by uh, basic or or clinical researchers. Uh, care has to go through regulations in hospitals and by um, medical societies. And so, putting the preprint of your research out there does not implicate anything on on anyone really. Um, Doctors usually um, read research, nurses, doctors. My uh, father is a cardiologist. Um, they um, read the work and they um, watch it. They observe how you know that field evolves for 10, 20 years. Uh, even a medication has to go through you know, rigorous testing before it's released to doctors and nurses and before you know, um, recommendations are made by medical societies for patients. Yeah. So this is not really a, a valid concern. Uh, the sooner uh, the research is out there, uh, the faster science can accelerate. And that's the promise of preprints, really. Uh, preprint, there is a new preprint server actually called MedArchive, which uh, came out a few months ago, and it's linked to BioArchive. So MedArchive, if, you, um, if uh, our listeners and yourself look for it, uh, is a preprint server for health, science, health sciences. And it includes um, medical work, cardiovascular medicine, epidemi epidemiology, nursing, nutrition, uh, oncology, and, and so on. So um, if you uh, have research in these areas, I highly recommend preprinting. And actually on the first page, it says in large font in red, Caution, preprints are preliminary reports of work that have not been peer-reviewed. They should not be relied on to guide clinical practice or health-related behavior and should not be reported in news media as established information. 
Nice, nice. So I, I, I take it by this discussion and by your professional opinion that preprints definitely aren't what we would consider a fad. We definitely want those to, you definitely want those to be kind of a part of a part of a permanent ability uh, to publicly share and uh, help with the flow of information. Would that be correct? Yes. And they are a history of the scientific work. You know, okay. uh, it, it allows versioning. People can see how your work evolved, where it started, how much it improved, um, what your data was. And it's also open access. It's very important. Um, there are uh, millions of researchers in other countries that don't have access to information and are behind journal paywalls. And we have really for decades um, prevented them from practicing and, and progressing and learning about the fantastic research that is done in our countries here. Um, disseminating preprints and data before peer review has accelerated uh, work in Africa against infectious diseases such as Ebola. Uh, it has allowed researchers there to immediately sequence the genome and be able to get um, to the root of the problem faster there. And had this work been waited for, you know, journal peer review, may, many people would have died. So this research, this research preprinted can accelerate other research. Uh, elsewhere. Yeah, I like that. I like that that statement that really helps to kind of put more of a, a face on it from the from the medical healthcare and nursing side of things. So, one question you kind of brought this up a little bit as well, or alluded it to us. Um, do you think, um, in your in your opinion, are preprints one of the potential answers uh, to the rising journal um, or database subscription costs that we've started to see? Uh, and a lot of our listeners have really started to have discussions about via social media, uh, this just enormous subscription cost uh, to getting all these actual journals and journal articles, that kind of stuff. Is this at least one potential answer? Again, uh, like you stated, it's not the um, uh, peer-reviewed journal information, that kind of stuff, but is, is it one potential answer to get information out there to people? Yes, definitely. And since preprinted in preprints in biosciences started five years ago, uh, many scientists and universities have started to rebel against the journal subscription costs and journal publication costs, actually, too. Uh, if you think about it, we are paid by taxpayer money to do our research. But this money is then, apart from research, has to be spent on tens of million dollar contracts a year to a single publisher by a single university. Um, we then have to pay costs of um, two to five thousand dollars per article for open access publishing, and all of this goes out from uh, the money that we could use to do research and, and biomedical research. Um, so, uh, a number of universities have protested against this, and universities of California, the eight universities, uh, the UC system have canceled the contract with Elsevier, uh, worth about $11 million, as was reported, a year. And uh, researchers in those universities are relying on preprints. 
uh, and and their colleagues to be able to access scientific work. So um, so preprints are here to stay. And uh, the trends have shown this, that people, um, researchers, most researchers in the world are early career researchers. They're trainees, they're graduate students, they're uh, medical fellows, residents, and, and postdoctoral fellows. They are starting to preprint in large numbers in order to read other people's work and have their work being read promptly by a year in advance, two years in advance by other people. It's, it's, it's their work in almost completeness. It's like presenting in a conference. You know, you, you take your work, you present it in a conference. Why do you go to conferences? You want to get attention to your work. You want to have collaborators. You want Definitely. to exchange reagents. You want to know people. And that's exactly what, what preprints are doing. They're here to stay and they have been... Um, phenomenal. Uh, they, as I mentioned earlier, they provide open access to your work as well. So even um, um, even someone um, sitting somewhere else in another part of the world can read your work and think about it and enjoy it. And, and that's really, really the whole purpose of science and, and research um, is that. Uh, one other um, Benefit of preprint in is that as it's becoming more common, things are becoming transparent. People are starting to review themselves online. So journals are not going to be able to impose their costs and enjoy the, the $10 billion industry of profit margins soon mm-hmm. because they are not going to be needed very soon. Uh, so this is, this is a, we are, watching the beginning of a movement that um, is a movement where scientists are going to be in charge of disseminating their work whenever they want it and reviewing it in as many um, numbers as, as, as they want. So uh, this, is, this is the kind of future that we see for, for this movement. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a great conversation. I love your opinions. I love your information and definitely your passion for this topic. It it definitely shows through. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, And to our listeners, as always, if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.sigmanursing.org. And thank you for listening. Thank you. (laughs)